Bibles, Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis 15 is kind of where we're going to be this morning. There's a word that I've been seeing on Facebook, mostly from uh, church sites and conferences, and it's a word called exponential. And when I looked it up, I knew it had more to do with just church or church conferences and different things. It's actually a mathematical term. It's an exponential curve. And it kind of starts here and it goes up and it reaches its peak. And that's where kind of we want to be in what we're doing for our lives and for God and for the church. And I want you to understand it's an exponential growth pattern, but it can also be an exponential decay when it goes back down. It works both ways. It's an upward positive effect, but also when it gets down to the bottom, we have to decide whether we're going to keep going and doing what we're doing so that exponential curve keeps coming back up. I've learned in the last couple of weeks, and I've shared this Wednesday night, that there's about four to 6,000 churches every year who are closing their doors. And the guy I was talking to is a leadership expert. He travels all over the world. We're going to have him at camp in November for a leadership retreat. He said, on this curve that we're talking about, he says, we've started as a church. We've done awesome. And a lot of churches are kind of on this slight decline, and that's kind of where we're at. So we have to make a decision what we're going to do. We're going to do things to keep the doors open. We're going to do things to reach people so that exponential curve goes back up. Or like four to 6,000 churches every year, that exponential curve goes to here. We don't change. We don't do anything different. Pretty soon, it crashes, and we close doors. So this morning, I want to talk about expecting more. In other words, when, God's, when we think addition, God says, no, we're multiplying. A lot of times we think adding to the church one plus one plus one plus one, but God says, no, we multiply because when we add one, maybe they tell one and then they tell another and it's a multiplication of things and how we do. And this morning I want you to know I'm talking to people, not specifically, but with the idea in mind that maybe we've just settled in life. We've settled for what we have. We've settled for what's happening. We're just kind of settled so we're just continuing through life. Just, you know, okay, nothing's going to get better. I hope it doesn't get worse, but it's not going to get any better. So we just have settled. At one time in our life, I think we believed at one point or another that God would do something amazing. We had faith. We had big faith. We had strong faith. We were ready for God to do something, maybe miracles, and we believed that it was going to happen, and we were waiting for a movement in our life. Maybe at one God, well, at one time, we believed in God's blessings. But over time, maybe over a series of events, we're sitting here this morning just kind of saying, you know what? I'm just kind of happy that nothing worse has happened. That, okay, I'm on this kill right now. And you see where we're at when we do that, when we're just happy and we've settled for life. We're on this exponential curve and we've kind of come down a little bit and we're stuck on this backside. We've got to do something to change it. How many remember that book, Prayer of Jabez? That kind of came out several years ago and it was a big hit and everybody was ordering it and people doing Bible studies with it. That Prayer of Jabez was kind of, bless me, God. Enlarge my territory, God. Use me. And people read that and they expected miracles. And I love the book. I was one that read it. We did Bible studies about it. It was great. And we said, okay, God, use me. 
and have our way. Expand the territory that I have. Do what you want to do with me. And we expected this miracle. But again, life just kept happening. Not much went down in our spiritual life. You know, again, just kind of status quo. It's all good. Nothing's really changing. But we're good. So we just started to settle. Not only in life, but also our spiritual life. I mean, you know what I mean. We pick up our Bible to come to church, but we don't pick it up for the rest of the week. We come to church, but just to say we came to church so we can go on Monday and go on with our week. We don't really change anything in our life to do something more. And we just have kind of settled. And now what's happening in our world today and in our lives today and in our churches today, we're willing to settle for the consolation prize. We're willing to settle for second because I don't want to work to get first or third, at least third place we get on the podium, right? We're sending up there with the winners, though we're not the winner. You know, third place. And we settle for that, something, anything. Maybe you know people who started a business and they want to glorify God in it and they want to tithe and do all those things and make money and they want to love and all those things and pretty soon they're saying, I just, I just hope to make rent. I just want to pay rent. You have kids or you're thinking about having kids and you're going to read books to them every night. You're going to do bedtime stories. You're going to do tea parties or today Pinterest parties or whatever. And then you have those kids, and then you just don't want to kill them, you know, in Jesus' name. You don't want to, it gets to be life. And so many times we do those things. This message this morning, I think, is for those of us who've maybe lowered our expectations of what God will do, of what God can do. First thing in your outline, it says this. We have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. We have no idea of the power and the strength of one seed when it is planted in faith. Grab onto that. In Genesis chapter 12, you find Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarah. This couple had dreams of a family. They waited a long, long, long time, and it still didn't happen. So they're kind of hurting. They're just saying, okay, you know, we'd love to have a family. And Abraham's even saying, man, if I don't have a, a son, I'm going to have to leave my heir to this servant. They couldn't conceive. They wanted a baby, and they're devastated. And they're looking around at everybody else, and everybody else is getting pregnant and baby showers and going to Lamaze classes. And Abraham and Sarah are going, okay, God, where are you? Abraham's trying to do what he's supposed to do in life and all those things. And they're saying, okay, God, what's happening? In Genesis 12, God speaks to them and challenges them. And he's saying, literally, Abraham, I want you to take your wife, Sarah, and I want you to move into a land you've never been. A huge, massive step of faith. Leave what you're used to. Leave the surroundings in which you're at, and I want you to go someplace where you've never been. Been. And God tells Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Moses and Sarah hear this. They hear this idea, we're going to be the father of many nations. And they immediately know, this is it. 
This is awesome. God said it's going to happen. We're going to be parents. We're going to have children. We're going to have grandchildren. So what they do is they start picking names. They start decorating the nursery, you know, the little pony or the Star Wars decorations. Sarah reads the book, what to expect when you're expecting. They're planning on how to redo or to do the Facebook reveal, you know, all those things. They're getting ready. But then a month goes by. Sarah's not pregnant. Two months goes by. Sarah's not pregnant. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months go by, and Sarah's not pregnant. What do you think they're thinking? Remember, this message is for those who maybe we've lowered our expectations of what God can and will do. You see, in Genesis 12, God makes a promise to them, but doesn't give them a timeline. Okay, this is huge. We need to understand this. God makes a promise, but he doesn't say it's going to happen this week, this month, this year. He says it's going to happen, but not on your timeline. So do me a favor. Jump over to Genesis chapter 15. Very first two words in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, it says, after this. Another translation says, sometime later. Now, I don't know if you remember as a kid growing up, you asked mom and dad, hey, can we go get ice cream? And dad would say, maybe after a while. What did that mean? Nine times out of ten, it meant no. <laughs> you know, maybe you'll forget about it. Maybe something else will happen. But maybe after all. This is kind of God not saying it's not going to happen. But he says, after this. Listen to what it says. Sometime later, after this, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and told him, Don't be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son. Genesis 12, man, you're going to be the father of nations. Genesis 15, sometime later. Can I ask you, when was that sometime later? How long was it? We don't know. We don't really know. Some will say a decade passed in the books that I read. Some will argue much longer, but it was at least a decade. So Genesis 15, 1 to 2 Sometime later, and he says, when I don't even have a son, how can all this happen? What good is all this when I don't even have a son to leave after I die? So understand what Abraham's doing here. He's kind of having a pity party, yes. But Abraham is saying, man, this is a decade or more of unfulfilled promises. This is a decade of time of unrealized expectations. Every month that went by, disappointment. Think about that, 120 months worth of disappointment, 120 months of waiting, 120 months of not knowing, and wonder if Abraham and Sarah ask at any point in time in that decade of time, okay, God, where are you? Where are you, God? Remember me, Abraham says? Remember my wife, Sarah? Where are you, God? And we've all experienced these times in our life where we've had these things happen and maybe we've prayed for somebody and we said, well, maybe so-and-so will come to Christ, come to know who God is, but it seems like the more we pray, the harder we try, the farther they move away from God, the more things they do to separate themselves from God and the church. Maybe you're sitting here saying, maybe this time next year, I'll have this new job, I'll be healthier, 
And you pray about it, and a year later, you're still doing the same thing, and you're not any more healthy than what you were. Nothing has changed. But years roll around, and nothing happens. And we may think, like Abraham and Sarah, okay, God, did you forget me? Okay, God, did you remember the promise that you gave me? Okay, God, where are you? Are you there? And from Abraham's point of view, nothing is happening. There's a promise, yes, but a lot of time has passed and nothing is happening. There's no real evidence to Abraham or Sarah that something is going to happen, that God is actually working. So what Abraham and Sarah literally do is like what we do a lot of times. We lower our expectations. We lower what we expect, not only from God, but from people. Give you a quick illustration. Indiana basketball this year. If you're an Indiana fan, you know what I'm talking about. Indiana, we started out strong, man. We were ranked top 25 in the nation. Then we went, exponential curve went down. Now we're kind of back on that top part of it. You know, now if you're a true Indiana fan, you ride the wave, right? It's the ups and downs. But not some people. As soon as Indiana started losing a couple games, when you read it on Facebook and all the posts, time to get rid of Archie. This team can't perform. This team can't do this. Then all of a sudden, they win a few games in the top 25. All of a sudden, all is good to people. You know, but even in that time when they're losing, we kind of lower the expectations. I mean, if they just get another win, it'd be great, you know, type thing. And I said it. I told people we'd be lucky to get another win. And that's the same way with life. You see, we have no idea what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. Keep that in your mind. This exponential curve, when it comes to life, when it comes to faith, when it comes to God's blessing, remember, we tend to think addition when God thinks multiplication. We've got to think this way. Remember back in Genesis, very first part of Genesis, where God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and what? Multiply. He didn't say be fruitful and add. He said multiply because it's a blessing of nations. Jesus said in the parable of the sower, the sower went out to sow some seed. And it says, the sower sowed some seed and some returned 30 times, 60 times, and 100 times. Keep that idea in the back of your head. A single seed sown in faith and what it can do. We have no idea what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. Jump back to Abraham and Sarah. All they wanted was a son. All they wanted was a son. And decades pass, they don't see anything happening And maybe we're sitting here this morning and you've been praying and nothing happens. You believe God would do something, that God would hear your prayer, that God would hear the cry of your heart, that he would bring a miracle into your life, that something would change in life, bring a provision. You've been believing, but nothing happens. Nothing happens. You see, just because you don't see anything doesn't mean God isn't doing something. Please get that. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean God's not doing something. 
He's always working in the background. He's always working in our life. He's always doing something, even though we may not see it, even though we may not feel it, even though we may not realize it. There's a group that goes around called the Gideons, and they give Bibles away. They put them in hotels. They give them in colleges. Well, they used to. Now, they've been fought against. But there's one story about a guy that I read that he would go to college campuses and high schools and give Bibles away. And this one guy that was writing an article said he was one of them that he gave a Bible to, one of the little pocket ones. And he goes, walking by, and the guy goes, yeah, you know, I've been to church, but really wasn't really believing and all this. And the guy asked him, do you want a Bible? And this guy said, yeah, I'll take a Bible. Why not? Took it, put it in his back pocket, took it back to his room, threw it on his desk. A few weeks later, he was struggling with some things, and he started reading that Bible. Today, he's a minister at one of the biggest churches in the United States. Has over 100 campuses that they reach out to all over the world. And the guy talked to the guy that gave it to him and says, why do you do this? And the guy says, I don't know. He goes, we just go out, we give the gift. He goes, but the hard part is we never see the return. We don't see what it always does. You see, just because you planted the seed doesn't mean God's not doing something. When God plants that seed in our life, we have no idea what God can do through a single seed planted in faith. Like a seed in the ground. I mean, you plant a seed, and maybe it's an oak tree, but it's just a seed. So you put it in the ground, and three days later, what do you do? You go out and see, is it growing yet? It's still no tree. A couple weeks, still no tree. Maybe a month, and you're still saying, okay, where's the tree? But what you don't see is God working on that seed, do you? What is it doing first? It's growing its root. That's what God is doing to us a lot of times. He's making sure we're firm. He's making sure we do it. So get this. Before you see fruit, God is going to grow the root first. He's going to do some things. Abraham had the same problem we have. He lived with this limited perspective about what was going on. In fact, in our story, he's in a tent. And he's telling God what he doesn't see. He's telling God what he doesn't have. He's telling God what's not working. I don't see anything happening. In other words, what Abraham is doing, he's telling God, you're not doing what I wanted. You're not doing what I want. Genesis 15, 4 says, but a son is coming from your own body. He will be your heirs. God is telling Abraham. You see, if God met all your expectations... He would never have a chance to exceed them. And that's what God is doing in our story. Remember, Abraham's in a tent. How do I know that? It tells us in verse 5. And he's telling God that he doesn't see things happening. Verse 5, it says, Then the Lord took Abraham outside. Okay? Different perspective. How many times when we don't get what we want, when we don't see God working, and maybe we get down, and maybe we start settling, that we sit ourselves in the same room, in the same chair, watching the same TV shows over and over, but we don't see anything change. Abraham's not watching TV, obviously, but he's in the tent, same four walls, same thing, and God says, would you come outside with me? I would have loved to have been there. And listen to what God was telling Abraham. But the Lord meets Abraham. We have limited context on this, but he takes him outside. And what I hope to do is this, is to take you outside of your comfort zone, 
to take you outside of what's going on in your life, to take you outside of maybe what you've settled for, maybe to take you outside of the idea of your expectations and maybe what God is going to do exceedingly more with and let you see what God wants to say. So Abraham is in the tent. And so maybe God told him some things that are true by his word. And he's telling Abraham as he's taking him outside the tent, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, Abraham. But catch verse 5 of Genesis 15. It says, Then the Lord took Abram outside and said, Look up into the sky. Count the stars if you can. Have you ever tried to do that on a clear night, lay out in a big open field, start counting the stars? You know, one, two, three, four, million, four, five, six, and they're trillion. <gasps> oh, man, one, two, three, you know. And you start over. And God is telling Abraham, count the stars if you can. Then he says, this is how many descendants you will have. I can imagine what Abraham's doing. He's probably stunned and shaken and silenced, to say the least. But what did he do? I don't know. Maybe with that message, maybe he fell down on his knees before God. Maybe he fell on his face before God. Maybe he lifted his hands to heaven before God. I don't know. But I think Abraham probably thought or maybe even said, okay, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know I wanted this. I'm thinking addition. But God, I know you were thinking multiplication. How much greater it was going to be. You see, if you belong to Christ, understand you were one of those stars that God told Abraham to count. We were one of them. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. So understand this. When Abraham was thinking about a son, God was thinking about you. About that blessing being for us. And you see what I mean? Abraham wanted to add a son. And God is saying, oh, no, 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 no. There's nations that's going to be blessed by this. I don't know if you remember in junior church ever, but we used to sing, and I started to love the song. Then I was a youth minister for a few years, and we sang Father Abraham every stinking Sunday. Remember that song? Father Abraham had many sons, you know. Then you put your right arm in Father Abraham. Father Abraham, you do your feet, your legs, your head. You know, it was one of those deals. And we sang the song, and it was a fun song, but it says, had many sons, many sons said, Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. What I want you to understand is never measure God's unlimited power by your limited expectations. It may take days, it may take weeks, it may take months for that seed to take root, but one prayer, please understand, one prayer from us can change a family. One gift given can initiate exponential growth. We may not see it. It may not happen immediately, but we have that faith. Again, there's no, we have no idea what God can produce through one single seed planted in faith. See, just because we don't see God working, or just because maybe we've lowered our expectations, not doing exactly what we want in the moment we desire doesn't mean he's not doing something great because our God is always working. So maybe you're sitting here thinking, you know what? Maybe I've let my faith drop a little. Maybe I'm not as faithful. Maybe I'm not as strong as I used to be. Hold on. There's good news coming. Don't grow weary. 
because I believe there's a breakthrough, there's a miracle in salvation and blessings and ministry that God can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever imagine. Yes, maybe we've lowered our expectations. Maybe we don't have as much faith as we once had. Maybe we have grown weary. Okay, we're just plain tired at times. We're wore out. Maybe our faith is weakened and softened. But here's the good news. If at least we have the faith of a mustard seed. Okay? I mean, can we honestly, if we just have that little of a faith, catch what it says in Matthew 17, 20. Jesus tells them, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, catch what he says. You could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing is impossible. Maybe we've lowered our expectations. Maybe we've let our faith kind of do that exponential decline. But you know what? Not all is lost as long as we have the faith of a mustard seed. Genesis 15, and Abraham believed the Lord, it says, and the Lord counted him as righteousness because of his faith. Have you figured it out yet? Have you figured it out that our life is a seed? It's been planted in us. And we have no idea how many lives can be changed, how much glory can be given to the Father through one seed, through one life of faith. Jesus explained it to his disciples this way in John 12, 24. And I'm going to start closing. He says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Please understand this. A seed is ineffective. A seed is unfruitful as long as it's preserved. The seed is useless if it's kept in the bag and never planted, never allowed the chance to grow. And what we do with the seed that God has given to us, that's planted in us, we're not going to do anything with it if we want to play it safe all the time. If we want to believe for a little. If we want to have a life without faith. It's going to remain a single seed. But understand this. But if we will die, if we will die to self, our fleshy desires, then our lives will produce many seeds. And that's what God is trying to tell Abraham. Abraham, it's more than just a son to you. Because to me, it's a nation. You're going to be the father of many nations. And that's what God wants to tell us, I truly believe, this morning, that if we're willing to let ourselves die to ourselves and to our fleshly desires, then our lives will produce more seeds. I mean, you take one kernel of corn, one kernel of corn, and you plant it in the ground, and it comes up with two ears on it. I can't remember how many pieces of corn are one ear, but it's ridiculous the amount of exponential growth that it just caused and the yield that it is. Understand, that's the way we are. When we allow God's seed to grow in us and the lives that it can change. And it just doesn't change lives, but it changes communities. It changes the world because we've changed people for Jesus Christ. If you're sitting here this morning, and maybe you've, you can honestly say, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in this boat right now. That maybe I have settled just a little bit. Maybe I've settled for just the status quo. 
Maybe I've settled for, man, I just hope nothing else happens. Maybe I'm settled with, you know, contentment with, I like what I have. We don't need anything more. We don't need to do anything else. We don't need to change to do what God wants to do in our life. We don't need to die to self. My hope and prayer this morning is simply, if you've settled, if you've gotten to the point where you don't think our faith is as strong as it used to be, I hope and pray that we just have enough faith as a mustard seed. Because I guarantee you, if God will take that mustard seed, and if we will let it die in us, God will produce a harvest that we could never believe.